This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. Some of you are watching for the first time. We want to welcome you to the telecast today. I want to urge you to stay tuned as we discuss this subject, why I am a member of the Church of Christ. I'll be speaking from my personal experience, my life, why I happen to be a member of the Church of Christ. This program is supported by uh, Churches of Christ, and I want to tell you today why I am a member of the Church of Christ. I hope that you'll stay tuned. I hope that you'll get your pencil and pen out, a paper out, your Bible out, and let's study together. Now, today we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the course is free. We want you to have it in order that you might know more about it and how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This passage of Scripture makes it incumbent upon me as a Christian and as a preacher of the gospel to be able to give an answer for the hope that I have to be able to tell people why I am what I am religiously. I believe every person ought to be able to do that. You ought to be able to defend what you believe religiously. And so what I plan to do today is just explain in as kind a way as I know how why I belong to the Church of Christ, why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. And, and Today, I'm, I'm going to be making my appeal not based on my experience and not based on my opinions, but I'm going to be making my appeal based on what the New Testament teaches. So I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, why am I a member of the Church of Christ? Let, let, let me tell you, first of all, it is not because of my family background. It is the case that my mother and her parents and my father and his parents were all members of the Church of Christ. But folks, if that's the only reason I can give for being a member of the Church of Christ, that's just an inherited religion. It's sort of secondhand. 
And so I need to be able to tell you from a personal point of view, from, from a matter of conviction based on the Bible, why I am a member of the Church of Christ. I'm not a member of the Church of Christ because that's the most popular thing in the community. And again, that would not be a matter of conviction if I just tried to find the most popular place in the community and try to go there. So why am I a member of the Church of Christ? I, I want to give you one or two reasons today, time permitting. And, and first of all, I, I want to state this, that I am a member of the Church of Christ because the churches of Christ throughout the world are seeking to restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. I want to repeat that. Churches of Christ throughout the world are seeking to restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. The, the principle of restoration is a very uh, well-known principle. We, we talk about restoring an all, old automobile. As a matter of fact, I have an old automobile that's that I've been working all on, off and on for a number of years now, trying to get it in a, 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 a condition that would be uh, considered a restored condition. And uh, we, we talk about restoring an old home. Maybe there's a home that's just about to fall down and someone buys that piece of property and that house and Rather than tearing the house down, they go in and they restore it and try to restore it as to what it must have looked like in the very beginning. We're talking about restoring the church as it was in the first century and have that same church in the 21st century. And really that's a matter of history. So some things are a matter of historical record. For, for example... George Washington was our first president. Now, I could argue about that, but it doesn't change the fact. I could say, well, I just don't believe that he was the first president. But someone says there's too much evidence to prove that he was a president of the United States. And you would be correct, of course. You see, the fact that he is, was at one time the president of this country is a matter of historical record and historical fact. I could deny it, but it doesn't change the fact. Now, that it is a matter of historical record that there is a church described in the New Testament and in the Bible. That's just a matter of history. So what I'd like for us to do for just a few minutes to think about that historical record. And really, we'd have to go back to the Old Testament, first of all. And we'll go to the second chapter of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, there, there the Bible reads like this, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and it shall not be left of the people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. If you study the second chapter of Daniel, see there were great, four great world empires that were 
uh, under consideration in Daniel chapter 2. And that fourth great world empire would have been the Roman Empire. And it would be in the days of that fourth great world empire, which would be the Roman Empire, that God would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. It was in the days of those kings, that is the Roman kings, that John the Baptist was preaching this message. And you read about this in Matthew the third chapter verses one and two. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the expression at hand means that it was nearby, that it was close at hand. It wasn't there in actuality, but it was coming. So John said the kingdom is coming. And that was in the days of those kings. To remember in Daniel 2, it was predicted in the days of those kings, God would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. Then you turn over to the fourth chapter of Matthew in verse 17. And in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Even Jesus said the kingdom is coming. The king, and that was in the days of the Roman kings. And then you turn to the 16th chapter of Matthew when Jesus came into Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus made this announcement in verse 18. I say also unto, unto thee that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you'll bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Now that was in the days of those kings. Predicted back in Daniel chapter 2. Now we're seeing it coming to pass in the day, during the lifetime and ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will build. That's future tense, isn't it? I will build my church. And Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'm going to build it. He did not say churches as of a number of churches, but church as of one. He said, I'll build my church. And he said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. The term church means called out. That shows a relationship that God's people have to the world, called out of the world. And then the word kingdom shows the governmental feature of God's people, that there is a king and, and there is a, a law, that's the Bible, and, there, and all of those who obey the law of the kingdom become subjects of the kingdom, born into that kingdom, according to John 3 and verse number 5. And so Jesus said the church and the kingdom are coming. You see, the church and kingdom are one and the same. They're not two different entities. The idea that God did not establish the kingdom but established the church instead is to reflect upon the wisdom and, of God because it, the church was in the eternal purpose and plan of God, Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. And so it was in the days of those kings that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, that is the kingdom. Then you turn over to Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Now again, it's in the days of those Roman kings. This is a historical fact. This is what Jesus said. Verily I say unto you, there are some of you standing here, which shall not taste of death until you have seen the kingdom come with power. 
So Jesus said, you're going to see the kingdom come with power. Again, the kingdom is yet in the future. Then you turn to Luke, the 24th chapter and verse 49. And Jesus told the disciples, tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now remember, the kingdom was to be accompanied with power. Whatever that might mean, Jesus said that's going to be accompanied with power from on high. And then Jesus said, you need to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And then you turn to the first chapter of Acts and verse 8. And Jesus said, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Now, the, the power that would accompany the coming of the kingdom would come when the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples of Christ. Now we turn to the second chapter of Acts and it starts like this, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all were one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set up on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that the apostles of Jesus were endued with power from on high that would accompany the coming of the kingdom. And that was by giving them the Holy Spirit. They were, they, they, this gave them the ability to perform various signs and miracles and wonders. They're referred to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 as being the signs of an apostle. The signs of an apostle. Now, it was on this occasion, if we put all of these passages of Scripture together, that the kingdom prophesied back in Daniel chapter 2 in the Old Testament that was spoken of by John the Baptist, that was spoken of by Jesus, that was spoken of by the, uh, uh, recorded at least by Luke in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4, that the church or the kingdom of God had its beginning from a historical standpoint on the day of Pentecost, in the city of Jerusalem, and all of that is recorded in the 47 verses of Acts chapter 2. Now it's interesting that it was on that occasion that Peter preached about Jesus, about his life, about his death, his burial, his resurrection. And, and when he preached that to the crowd there, they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And his answer to them was, here was the answer. The answer was not repeat a sinner's prayer. Here was the answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there were about 3,000, if you'll notice verse 41, about 3,000 that were baptized that very day. Of what church were they a member? Now remember Jesus said, I will build 
my church. It's going to come with power in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit came on the apostles on the day of Pentecost, preached about Jesus, and the people asked, what shall we do? Told them, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And about 3,000 were baptized. They were saved from their sins, and the Lord added unto the church daily, such as should be saved. That's verse 47. They, they, they were just added to the church. To the church Jesus said and promised that he would build. Now folks, that's just historical record. That's all there was. There was not all of the religious division and confusion that exists in our world today. They just had the church. And when they would obey the gospel by believing on Christ, repenting of their sins, by being baptized into Christ as a penitent confessing believer, the Lord added them to the church. No one voted them into the church. No, no. God added them to the church. They were delivered from darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And so what churches of Christ are trying to do, what our plea is, let's just go back to the Scriptures. Please, let's just go back to the Bible. And, and let's just speak where the Bible speaks. Let's don't add to it. Let's don't take away from it. And let, let's speak where it speaks. Let, and then let's be silent where the Bible is silent. If, the God, God, if the God hasn't spoken on a topic, well, let's just leave it alone. Let, let's don't try to presume that we know what God really meant. Speak where it speaks. Be silent where the Bible is silent. And we need to have a thus saith the Lord for what we do. Now, that's all a matter of historical record. That there was a church promised. There was a church built on the day of Pentecost. It had its beginning on the day of Pentecost. Now, just like I could argue about George Washington being the first president of our country and, and be wrong, that is because that's a matter of history. You, you see, it's just a matter of historical record as to how the church had its beginning on the day of Pentecost. And churches of Christ are just trying to go back to the Bible and to restore the church as it was in the beginning in the 21st century. And that is a very uh, important plea, and it is relevant for our world today. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, if all of that is the case, where, where do all of the denominations come in? Well, you see, denominations did not exist in Acts chapter 2. So all of that must have happened or came into existence sometime after the church had its beginning. Let me point out what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed for unity of believers. Jesus was not praying 
for everyone to have the right to choose what they wanted to do. That, no, that was not what Jesus did. You know, some people say, well, I, I thank God that we, we can have the church of our choice. I don't know about you. I don't really know about anybody else but Billy. I want the church of God's choice, don't you? I, I want the church. So I, what I want to do is just go back to the Bible. And I want to find out what was the church like in the very beginning. What was it like when it be, first began, before men began to create confusion and division, and I, I don't know how many different kinds of churches there are today. So, so many that I, I've actually lost number. I, I remember when I began preaching more than 50 years ago, we'd say there are 250 different churches, 300 different churches, but, but now I fear that it may number up into the thousands. And because that is not answering the prayer of Jesus for unity, that's division. That's division. So we're trying to go back to the Bible to speak where it speaks and to restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. And, and this is a relevant plea for our world today. Restoration. Restoration. Not reformation. There were those that tried to reform the apostasy many years ago and those efforts to reform the apostate church that became the church of Rome. Those efforts to reform resulted in the beginning of what we call today denominations. And that was an answer to the prayer of Jesus. That just added fuel to the fires of division. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's just be the New Testament church. I read a story once about a German farmer who was out plowing in his field. And his plow got stuck on what he thought was a root in the ground. And the farmer began to dig around that place, and, and he found out it wasn't a root. It appeared to be some kind of an object buried beneath the ground. Well, after he began to dig more and more, he learned that, that this was some monstrous type of a structure beneath the ground. So people were called in to excavate around that site. And what they learned was there was a building buried under the ground. And as they began to move all of the dirt and all of the debris away from that building, it did not take long until they learned that at some point in time, in the past, that building had been a place of worship of some sort. So what the men endeavored to do was to remove all of the dirt, all of the debris, and try to restore that building to what it must have looked like in the very beginning. Now that's a rather simple illustration of what churches of Christ are trying to do in the world today. What we're trying to do is to remove all of the rubble and all of the debris from what the Bible teaches. 
to do away with human opinions, human ideas, man-made doctrines, even man-made organizations, to remove all the debris and just go back to the Bible and try to restore the church as it was originally. And, and you see, that's such a simple plea. And churches of Christ all over the world are endeavoring to restore first century Christianity in the world today. That's the reason I'm a member of the Church of Christ. It's not because I was born going to the Church of Christ. It's not because I just like the Church of Christ. I do like it, but that's not enough reason. It's because we're trying to go back to the Bible. And there are people all over the world who are beginning to see that this is a valid plea, that this is a valid endeavor. Let's just lay aside the confusion, the division. I was in the YMCA, our local YMCA, not long ago, and as a woman began to talk to me, she did not even know I was a preacher. She said, I'll tell you, I am so tired of all of the confusion and division in religion today. She said, why can't we just all be together? And I thought, lady, you're, you're preaching to the choir now because that's exactly what I believe. That we ought to do away with the confusion, do away with the division, and we can by just going back to the Bible. Somebody says it's not possible for everyone to see everything alike, is it? Well, we see things alike in mathematics. We see things alike in music. We see things alike in almost every area of life, even in sports. Now you've got two teams on the field, two teams playing each other, football. They, they don't have their own rules. This team have their rules. That team have their rules. They all play with the same rules. And when we began to play with the same rule, follow the rule book, we're going to have unity. I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Let me urge you to do that, please. And also, if you prefer, you can take the course online. But whatever you do, however you do it, let me encourage you to take the free Bible Correspondence Course. I want to thank you for watching our telecast today. And, and if you would like to have a copy of today's lesson, please let us know. I want to thank you for watching today and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.